remember or remember. Never forget. Unforget. What ideas emerge as you hear these words? Is there a difference between remembering and unforgetting? What is it? We'll explore these and other themes in this final episode of Remembering Indigenous Leaders of the Jesus Way. I'm your host, Jody Sparger, recording today in Treaty 4, the land of the Stony Nakoda, Blackfoot, Cree, Soto, and Métis Nations. Naming the treaty sounds like there was an agreement kept between two parties, but in fact, this treaty was made after extreme dissatisfaction on the part of the Indigenous Nations with the government failing to hold up its agreements made in Treaty 2. Treaty 4 is meant to be a do-over, but has continued to be rife with broken promises. I named the agreements, or the lack of agreement, on the land where I'm recording because this is part of remembering ourselves to covenants and promises made or broken, which stand in the way of right relationships if they're simply ignored or relegated to an irrelevant past. These promises or covenants or absence of agreements are foundations upon which current commitments are often judged. Why should Indigenous people believe that settlers will live up to their commitments, to the commitments that we make, if we refuse to be held to the standards of past commitments? So, we name truth. Hold it in the light. In the interest of being people of our word, as people who follow the way of Jesus. As we conclude this podcast series, I wanted to do a bit of reflection on the stories that we've explored, to talk a bit further about why I think it's important that we unforget and remember. Now, in the time since I started the podcast, I came across the work of Patty Crowick. She has an awesome book that I would highly recommend. It's called Becoming Kin. An Indigenous Call to Unforgetting the Past and Reimagining Our Future. Patty is Anishinaabe and Ukrainian. And as she wrestles with uh, understanding the role of memory and forgetting or unforgetting uh, within both of her family narratives, she comes to, to these reflections. She talks about how unforgetting holds within it a sense of grief and loss. When we have to unforget, we have to examine why something was forgotten in the first place. We have to examine the erasure and the violence and the justification that came along with those activities. I'll put a link to her blog post that she does some of this reflecting on in the show notes so you can read further there. But she says this, quote, Unforgetting is the uncovering of truth. 
that allows us to grieve and move forward. But she also argues that there's a second aspect to unforgetting. And in that second aspect, she actually comes into dialogue with another author, Roberto Lovato. And he writes a book called Unforgetting, a memoir of family, migration, gangs, and revolution in the Americas. Patty quotes Lovato. He says, through unforgetting, we remember the dismembered. And we stitch together the fragments of our stories. We find our own ways home to ourselves and to each other. We uncover the truth and we pull back the veil of forgetting. I'm so grateful for uh, the dialogue of both of these folks and reflecting on how forgetting and then the resistance act of unforgetting and remembering is a powerful response that allows us to imagine living in a different story together. Now, I had some concerns in putting these stories out in the world through these podcasts. I want to name some of those concerns. One, I was concerned that those who listen would assume that my version of these stories was the definitive version of these stories. When in fact, I am barely sketching in the dark Uh, pointing to stories that we have not yet heard. Those are the stories that I'm most interested in. And those stories, in fact, may contradict some of the stories or the conclusions that I've come to in this podcast. Because the stories as I received them were not from the pens or the voices or the relatives of the men and women that they're about. I said this in the very first episode, but it's worth restating. I think it's really important that we not talk about people, especially folks who are historically marginalized, without them. Nothing about us without us. Because when we do that, we run the risk of adding their stories to our own narratives in ways that allow our dominant positions of power and privilege to continue unchecked. So I was concerned that that might happen in putting these stories out in the world. I was also concerned that we would stop seeking out the truth behind these stories and the stories that have unfolded since. I was concerned that we, particularly white Baptists like myself, would co-opt these stories and might claim men and women like William Henry Prince and the unnamed Shimshian evangelist who labored in the hops field as ours. I am tempted to do that myself. And there are some ways in which that is good, that that is a remembering that includes them in our story in ways that they were erased from it. But there's a danger there that uh, we as Baptists might do that in ways that make us feel better about ourselves and our history without grieving the loss of their stories in our midst for so many years. 
without examining what attitudes and theologies and actions erased their histories and may still be at work in our midst to this day. I was concerned that some aspects of these stories would feel too foreign and would raise theological concerns about syncretism, other theological concerns, which would become distractions from the stories of the power of God to speak the heart language of a people. I was concerned that some aspects of these stories would feel too familiar, and we would not feel the loss of being dismembered from these particular ways that we have not been whole in our expression of the body of Christ because we failed to see the unique expressions brought by Cree, Soto, Shimshian, Nchanoth, Skagit, and other indigenous expressions of the body. But I decided in the end that these concerns were worth risking in the hope that our journey down this path is beginning not ending, that we will find new companions, that our stories and imaginations will be disrupted enough that we won't just make room at our table for others in the family of faith, but that in some cases we might actually get up from the tables we've been sitting at and would find Jesus in places we might never have expected to find him, that we would make our home there perhaps even. Now, many of us have been deeply disturbed by the idea that Christian faith was used to justify the violence of residential schools. And for some, the answer has been to walk away from that faith. I am unconvinced that this gets us to the outcomes we had hoped for. I am always deeply challenged and moved by the call of Indigenous peoples to white dominant culture Christians like myself to not abandon our faith, but to examine it. So I'll leave you with one such invitation by Patty Crowett in Becoming Kin. She says, Rather than cutting off our roots because we are ashamed or afraid, we can reimagine the relationships that we have inherited And we can take up our responsibilities to each other. In other words, we can unforget and be remembered to one another. Grateful to have had you along for this journey of remembering. May we be more whole for the witness of those who have gone before us, Indigenous leaders of the Jesus Way.